Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that, like rates, is only ever on the up. I'm Scott Phillips, and with me is the straw man himself, Mr. Andrew Page. G'day, mate. How are you? Very good. Very good, sir. How are you? I'm good, mate. After the last couple of weeks, is there a better time to be a renter than when everyone else is paying more for their mortgage and you're like, no, my rent's the same? Does that make you happy? <laughs> no. <laughs> you can't be happy. No. I, feel I tried. Like, I tried, it, listeners. I tried. I'm going to move on very swiftly because any pain talk. will trickle oh, down. Yeah. I don't, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's probable too, mate. Uh, it's been a big week. It's been wow. a very big week. Huge. Uh, on the markets, in the economy, on the headlines, so much going on. Um, I, just, I, I, I can't quite get to the news yet because I, I, I just need to know. What is this straw man thing you do? <laughs> so we're at strawman.com. We're a private online investment club. There so, you go. Andrew yeah. is the managing director and founder of strawman.com. If you want to join in with some other people doing the things like you are doing, thinking about investing, trying to think about which stocks are best for you, check out strawman.com. Um, I should again keep my boss happy by saying, I work for The Motley Fool. Uh, we give stock recommendations and advice. Uh, I'm The Motley Fool's chief investment officer here in Australia. That gets that out of the way, mate. Um, actually, before we do that, mm-hmm. right at the very top, if that is new news to you, you probably don't even know yet the way to get in touch with us. So let's start with that for fun. Because if you are on the socials, who's not on the socials these days, um, you might want to follow Andrew. If you do, you've got to be on Twitter. He is at Sage underscore Simeon. And the Strawman Twitter account is at Strawman Invest. If you are on Twitter and you want to follow me, at TMF Scott P, which is also my Instagram handle. And The Motley Fool is on Twitter and Instagram, at The Motley Fool AU. Uh, let's round it out. Facebook. Uh, facebook.com slash Scott Phillips Money or facebook.com slash The Motley Fool Australia. And if you want to send us an email for our mailbag, which I hope you will, the email address is info at fool.com.au. You can hit us up with a question on any of those socials too, by the way. But that's um, if you've got a long one, feel free to email it through. If it's a short one, hit us up. Hit me up on a, a DM. Slide into my DMs, as the cool kids say. <laughs> uh, did, I, did I pull it off? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Slide into my DMs. Uh, send, send us a message. Ask us a question. Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. All right. Uh, that's out of the way, mate, because we are going to get stuck right into it. Uh, interest rates went up this week, apparently. I, I, don't, I don't know if you heard. Uh, no one in the media covered it at all. Uh, I think we're up to day three or four of just wall-to-wall rates coverage of you know, the decision, then the re- reaction to the decision, and then the reaction to the reaction to the decision. Uh, we're now at liar loans territory in the paper. So it's now the, mm. the, the you know, day three or four. We're recording this on, on Thursday morning, as we always do. Um, it's now about you know who's going to hurt liar loans and who's going to be blown up. Uh I don't know what there is to say. I, I will give my general reflections, mate, and, and then get yours. I was mm. pleased the RBA ignored the politics and went. They are they have been late. They had to. Yeah. I'm not a look. I'm not an RBA basher at all. Plenty of people love to get stuck into it somehow. They're genius, and the RBA is hopeless. And I think that's just I think that's just silly. Um, they can be wrong. We can be right. Uh, we can disagree for a whole lot of different reasons. But these are super smart people with decades and decades and decades of central bank experience. They're not knuckleheads. They might make mistakes, but they're not idiots. Um, so I'm not going to I'm not going to bag the RBA at all. I will say I disagree, and that's that's a different question. Uh, I think they should have gone much earlier. I think that's probably been proven out in the passage of time. Uh, but again, we don't know the counterfactual, right? In a different universe, inflation dropped away, and they're really glad they didn't move rates. So it's easy in hindsight to know who was right. Uh, it wasn't so obvious at the time. Otherwise, the RBA itself would have done something different. But as you say, mate, they had to go. 5.1% inflation. 
Um, so please, they went. Please, they ignored the politics. Um, they're they're going to be called political either way. Actually, you know what? I'm pretty pleased. We've not seen a lot of RBA bashing in the in the, in the wash up, which has actually been nice because. I was fearful if they went, half the country would say, oh, you're being political, you're meddling in the election. And if they waited, the other half of the country would have said, oh, you just gave ScoMo a, a rails run. Um, you know, it's stupid either way. So, mm. But there hasn't been much of that, which I'm really pleased about. Um, they went they went by more than I expected. I really, really didn't think they would go, uh, I thought they'd go up to a quarter of a percent and stick there and then go again maybe next month or probably next month. Going mm. up by a little bit more, it's not a big deal. A tenth of a percent either way is really not that big a deal. But it kind of shows a whole lot of stuff, mate. It shows that, um, firstly, the whole <laughs> the, the assumption that everything must be in quarters of a percent is not real, which is probably appropriate, right? We're not mm. living in a fractions world anymore. For mm. those who don't know, when I started investing, uh, I don't know if you started investing this early, mate, because I think it's always been decimal in Australia, at least for years. When I started investing, my US shares, I think, I don't know if I actually bought any, but when I certainly started thinking about investing, shares in the US were quoted in 16ths. So you'd buy you'd buy shares in I don't know what the prices were. Let's make it up. You buy shares in Coke at thirty three dollars and two thir- two quarters or one mm. and a half, uh, or you'd buy you know something else at sixteen dollars and five sixteenths. It was mm. literally how they were priced, which is, just blows my mind. Who the hell does that anyway? Well, this is a this is a country that still uses the imperial system for <laughs> there is that. for units. There is that. <laughs> anyway, so um, yes, we've moved on a lot from then. We don't have to do it quarter point moves, which is which is probably good. But it shows their intent. Um, and mate, I thought the other thing that was interesting, and I'll, I'll get to you to jump in a sec. But the RBA did a really. I was really pleased they did a very honest. We screwed up. The, yeah. the press release for uh, the, sorry the press conference at Philip Lowe. He said, "Look, we got it wrong." Uh, now, he shared some blame around. He said, well, Treasury got it wrong and the government got it wrong. And we all assumed a certain set of outcomes post-COVID. We thought the recovery, we thought the recession would be deeper. We thought the recovery would take longer. We thought the economy would be more fragile. None of those things was true. And so we got caught out. We, we yeah. were planning for a world where recovery was slower. And I can't blame them for that. In the event, uh, it was much faster and they have been caught on the hop. They are going to have to move. Not only did they increase rates, they said, we're going to keep going. Uh, we'll work out how far and how fast based on the data, which is appropriate. But uh, the rhetoric changed dramatically. You know, threw the old threw the old press release out, started again, and said, "Yep, we're now going to move rates. We're going to have to move them higher." Um, your thoughts, mate, on on rates week? So much to say. Um, the fact that Phil Lowe had a press conference in and of itself yeah, is remarkable. They don't that's normally true. do that. That's the that's first true. time they've. So the the fact that he felt he needed mm-hmm. to get up and front the cameras was interesting. Yep. was interesting because they, yeah. they released a statement. So I just, you know, it's just noteworthy. Yep. Yes, uh, you've made the point it was more than expected, more than you expected, more than the consensus had expected. Um, I do come back to the point of if not now, when? Yeah. You know, re- record well, low, super, super low unemployment. Yeah. Economies are ostensibly in many ways doing pretty good. Yeah. These yeah. were emergency levels. We're not in an emergency. So it's kind of like, well, you know. I know, right. When do you do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I would... Re- one thing I always find really bizarre is that we sort of have, you know, interest rates get into the news and then all of a sudden we start asking all the experts where to from here. So there's talks <laughs> of 2 to 3%. It's like, you know, fool me once, yeah. shame on you. Fool me 489 consecutive times in a row, shame on me. It's like, so yeah, it was yeah. the RBA itself and every other economist in the land yeah. saying there's going to be yeah. no interest rate rises until 2024. <laughs> Like we do, Matt. Not just was that off by years. Yeah, it was. It really. But was. now we're going to keep tightening as well. So it's kind of like, and that, I'm actually, I'm, 
I'm I'm with you. I'm not going to bash them for it because this is super, super, super difficult stuff to yeah. forecast. So I would ag- I probably well. argue it's impossible to forecast. Yeah. It's such a chaotic yeah. system. Yeah. But we we see these forecasts time and time again, and they are wrong. And it's like, oh, that was wrong. <laughs> what do you think now? It's like, yeah, stop asking. Right. Stop <laughs> asking, right? Like the, no one knows. Oh, I, so I think true, what's, so it's far more interesting to say, look, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but I think it could do this. And if What's it did that? do this, yeah. here's the here's the likely ramifications from that. And of course, yeah. it might not do that. And here's like, so let's look look at our let's look at the the possibility set and sort of discuss the different ramifications around that. But you know, yeah. we just yeah. anyway, that just a little bit of a bugbear of mine. Fair. Um, can another, I, can w- I say though, mm. I, look, the only reason I'll ask is because there, we talk about shares a lot, right? Um, mostly all the time. When we're, we're not ranting about prop, it's kind of the, the raison d'etre of the podcast, but <laughs> kind of makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. But we don't talk about the bond market, and I don't suggest we do because no one wants to hear that. But the bond market is multiples of the size of the share market. Yeah. So people I investing always cash forget in fixed that. interest around the world. It, mm. it's, it's and I want to say something like ten x. That feels too big, but it's it's like it's like a it's not quite an order of magnitude, but it's not miles off. Yeah. Um, and the bond market prices debt. And, and debt is the stuff that governments take out and use and businesses take out and use and mm-hmm. banks do, you know. And so to some degree, while you're right, mate, it, it, why, why, the why bother answer or why bother question is an important one to ask and it's easy for us to kind of go, eh, who cares, what, why bother? Except that it kind of really, like it really, really, really matters if you're doing oh. loans for one, three, five years, 10 years. Massively like matters, yeah. And so I guess I, I don't really even know what my point is other than they are, it's, it's not just a parlour game. And I'm not suggesting you were saying that, by the way, but just for our listeners, there is real kind of like how should we price our three-year debt? What what bonds should we buy or sell? Um, not just bond traders, that's a whole different thing, but as a, governments issuing bonds, as, mm. as corporations taking out debt, as uh, it, it impacts foreign exchange because, again, future expectations of growth and interest rates. So I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm tempted to say, as you say, why bother? I think there is an answer, though, to the why bother. And, and maybe, maybe it is just like... Just take the average and be done with it. But there is there are real implications to if you're in the debt markets and you are buying or selling three year bonds, it actually it actually matters a lot, right? You, I mean, you it matters a huge amount. lot of money. Yeah. Let, let, yeah. let me let me clarify. So it, it yes, and that's what that's what markets are going to do. They're pricing right, the right, future, right. whether it's yes. shares, emu farms, whatever. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna price the future because you like an emu farm, mate. I, I like do. Like, I love farms. an emu farm. I, it's I just, like it's just the this is the funniest investment ever. Um, anyway, um, but. That's fine. I've got no. That's yeah. what markets should be doing. That's yeah, yeah. that. Yeah. So I've got no problem with that. It, it, it's more that from from the journalistic perspective, when it's reported, when it's spoken to, you know, it's like, oh, interest rates are going to do this. It's like, let's stop saying that. Okay, <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. that's my bugbear. That's right. That's right. That, that, yeah. the, and yeah. and absolutely put forecasts out. Here's what we're thinking, but we we treat them. We give them a, a, a gravitas that is that is not deserved, not even yeah. close to deserved. Yeah, and yeah. so let's let's speculate, let's let's ruminate, <laughs> let's stop treating it like fact. Is my yeah. is my yeah my like issue. it's like it's possible, right? You can be kind of broadly, roughly, directionally, kind of approximately half correct. Let me exp- <laughs> let, let me let me let me put that in practice for Please. you. So Please. so where we are at this point in time, it's not so much that interest rates went up. Everyone knew that was going to happen at some stage. It's not so much that they went up a little bit more than expected. So we're we're now, um, uh, what was it? 0.45? Oh, gosh, I shouldn't have. 0.4. Oh, my God. 0.35. Thank you. Oh, my You're goodness. welcome. Muddled up there. No, go for it, Matt. <laughs> shows you, shows well, you, it's shows a weird number, right? We're so used to thinking quarter of points. That's what I mean. Like it literally is, you've got to stop and think, 
Hang on, so what did they go to? You actually got to really think about <laughs> Total it. Total mind just, just, just quietly, there. mate, uh, you've, you've done what, what Albo and ScoMo have done during this. During this oh, my gosh, I'm in so trouble. So you've, you've, quali- you've qualified to be the leader of a, of, a, of, a, of a major political party and you're going to be written up in the Australian and the telly and the SMH for the next three days on why you're not suitable to run the country. Mo- you can't really Google it, mate. Google whatever <laughs> the interest rate is. And Adam Google Bounce was good, it. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know, you Google it. Yeah, that's right. So, anyway. But my point is, okay, so 0.35, thank you. Um, the discussion now is, well, oh, so it's going to be, you know, 1%, 2% by the end of the year, maybe even 2 and 3% a little bit after that. Um, so that mm. that is the thing that I think is is a, a, um, interesting. I would say this, though. I don't think it will. And, you know, you know my views on a lot of this stuff. I don't think, I don't think the economy – the economy has a lot of feedback loops and it's very dynamic. So do interest rates need to go up? Will they continue to go up from here? Yes, they will. I imagine that once we start getting to the realm of we've added 100 basis points or an extra percent in in, in the way that normal people mm-hmm. would say it. <laughs> exactly. The, the right way, effectively. Yeah, right. Actual, is, actual proper English, yeah. Yeah, without trying to be too clever by half, is, <laughs> is that that alone will put enough pressure on households. You know, I think the average yeah. debt... Yep. debt to in- household incomes like 185%. It's a, I think it's a record for Australia. It's one of the highest in the world. Yeah. You get to a point where it's sort of like I don't think I don't think you could you could do more than that without cratering the 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 market, the property yep. market, and and, yep. And, yep. and by extension the share market, and by extension the the just the real economy, because no one's got any discretionary cash to spend, and we're all the wealth effect is is running massively in reverse. Yeah. So while I see that there are a lot of pricing for that, I actually I actually again. I'll take this with a big grain of salt after what I just said, but as one possible scenario, <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah. I would actually, I actually doubting some of these forecasts. I don't think it can get as high as, as what people are saying. Mm. And the other little wrinkle on all of this as well is there's actually two types of inflation. If you want to get technical, there's sort of like that sort of demand side and supply side. Mm. So demand side inflation, demand pull inflation, as it's called, is when we've all just got lots of extra cash and we're all spending it. We're all sort of outbidding each other for <laughs> our, our handbags and our that's cars right, and right. all the things that we're buying. Yep. You could argue very strongly, I think, that a lot of the inflation that we're seeing is a supply side. There's yes. just not much stuff coming out of China because of what's happening with COVID. There's the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of um, issues around that. That So that what's causing the prices to go up is just a lower supply of stuff. Now, yeah. what's interesting yeah. about that is that when it comes to combating inflation, interest rates are very good at combating demand side because it cools our jets. We all, oh, <laughs> our, our price, our cost of debt has just gone up. Let's, yeah. you know, and, and that's that's very effective. That's a good point, on, yeah. On the yeah. supply side, mm. it's not as effective because that's not what's driving. It's it's not that we're all outbidding each other necessarily. Yeah, okay. it's, yeah, yeah. It, And again, there's subtleties and we, like uh, with all oh. economics, wheels within wheels and all of that kind of stuff. This is all of just which to say this is just fascinating and I've got my popcorn and um, I'm enjoying the ride. <laughs> I, actually, that makes it no. Let me take that. That makes it sound like I'm making light of it. I'm just trying to say it's fascinating. <laughs> don't don't put any moral judgment on it one way or the other. I so I, yeah, I I like that. I like that summary, mate. I think it's um. I agree with you in terms of rates not being able to go up as far as most people think they will. Um, the RBA is in a devilishly difficult position. Is mostly supply push inflation. Except that well, except that, but as well as that, those things go into the prices and then they go mm-hmm. into wages and then that becomes like it's almost one of those 
It, it's the uh, what do you what, what do you call it? It's it's kind of the it's the fire lighter of, mm. of, of the of the open fire or the campfire, right? It's like, okay, well, the fire didn't start by itself, but now it's going. Yeah, you can say, well, we didn't start it. It's like, no, but if you don't put it out, you can't sit and say mm. we don't put it out. We didn't start it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you can't go put the fire the water on it whether you like it or not, right? And that's a I'll stop torturing the analogy. Um, but it's insert it's just, Billy Joel song at this point, is it? I hope, yeah, exactly. Rock and roll like Color Wars. I can't take it anymore, Andrew. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's no, you're right. And so that there is something to that. I think that's right. I, it is absolutely supply push, but I also don't think any of the central banks around the world can allow it to become endemic. That's almost the problem. It's like, you know, we got the disease. Let, let me change tack and go with a different metaphor. We got the disease. We're going to let it spread and say, well, it wasn't our fault we caught it. Was it, you know, whatever, whatever. Or it's like, no, oh, we're going to need to, you know, take a few days off, maybe maybe pump in some, some medication and try and get this thing killed off. Because if we don't, no matter how it started, we're going to have to do. It's a really, so. it's an excellent point. Hey, can I offer a couple other uh, uh, armchair uh, Observations. I will let you do that. Yes. So, what's interesting it's, is I'm contractually seen... obliged to, by the way, for also when Andrew talks, I have to shut up. So my apologies. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Go on, mate. Go on. Get comfortable. Settle in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Push off the sight screen. Go on. So the reality is, is that uh, Australians aren't idiots, right? A lot of people, a lot of people, have actually spent um, uh, these COVID years mm. paying extra. Yeah, off absolutely. off their mortgage. So offset accounts are really healthy. So there's yep. there's there there. It's easy to sort of look at, and you sort of I was yelling at the TV a bit this week <laughs> because no. the, the, the journalists go and, won't believe that <laughs> they, they go and find some poor person and yep. and say oh this latest interest rate moves that the on the average more and this is all average so there's difference uh, at the extreme uh. but on the average I think <laughs> it was like sixty bucks extra a month. Mm. And they go, oh, geez, I don't know how I'm going to survive it. And I'm sitting there going, what on earth were you thinking? <laughs> you know, are you are you that close to the line that sixty dollars a month is what tips is is the difference between you keeping your head above water and not? And yeah. and while that is undeniably true at the margin, yeah. I would make the point that for a, for a very significant number of people, that's okay. They're they're yeah. actually they're actually okay. But then yeah. then you then you can also say, yeah, that's true. But prices are determined on the margin. On the and margin, those, exactly, yes. On the yes. lower quartile yep. of people, there's something like, I forget exactly what it was, but there's at least a couple million households mm-hmm. who the debt to leverage is sort of above eight or the deposit put down was, you know, around less than 10% and, and mm-hmm. who purchased in the last year yeah. and who did so under the expectation that rates weren't increasing. So there's, there is, it's going to be fascinating how all of that plays out. So I, yeah, I, I actually don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm just putting it out there. I don't know if I have a strong yeah, opinion on it, yeah. but it's kind of like, I think you can hold two opposing thoughts in your head at one time, which is, yeah, actually a lot of people will will be able to weather this, but it's more about those who can't and how significant yeah. they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's absolutely right, mate. I think this is, and this is, this is interesting for so many reasons, but I love that you raised it because like any crisis, any, any kind of whatever, even when unemployment spikes, right? We, we go from 5% to 10% unemployment, which sucks. Mm. But it means that only five in 100 of us actually lose our jobs. The other 95% of us kept our jobs, kept earning what we earned and got on with it. And that's not that's neither here nor there. I'm not saying, therefore, it doesn't matter those people lost their jobs. And I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's yes. you know, I'm just making the point that you know, they are small proportional impacts, but they do have really, really big impacts on individuals, which obviously matters. And that's, you know, as a, as a society, we should care. Uh, but even on the economy, that just removing that when an economy grows at two or three percent a year, 
you take a little, it doesn't take much for that to go negative, right? And that, then that starts to snowball in and of itself, which takes us all the way back to what central banks are for, which mm. is to try and smooth out the economic cycle, try and take the tops off the booms, take the bottoms out of the bus and kind of let the, yes. you know, try, try, and, try and keep the, the volatility to a relative minimum, knowing that they can't stop either, nor should they really try. Um, I mean, if you, I guess if, you, if it was possible, they would, but you want to just minimise the, the impact of it. And I think that's, that's a really important point. Um, it, it's... Can I, can I be... Can I be um, Inflammatory for a second. Go for it. I am looking forward to every person who told me how expensive housing was when it was a million dollars for an average house, <laughs> even when the house prices fall, to tell me how cheap housing now is. Yes. Is that one how, of those people? <laughs> no, not necessarily. Not, no, 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 no. So it's one of the, you know, it's, I, I, so I've been arguing for a very long time that the house, housing affordability is measured by repayments, not by, yes. not by multiples. You mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, well, you, you, did, you did make me think of it because you're about multiples of income. Or 185% debt to GDP or income, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and I only say that, mate, and a bit tongue-in-cheek because those people who said, well, a million dollars is too expensive, even though rates were low and, and the average repayments hadn't changed much in 20 years as a percentage of income. When house prices fall, I don't think it's a when, by the way, not an if, but I should probably say if or when, and all of a sudden the average price goes from, let, let's just let's pick some numbers, a million dollars to 900 grand, mm-hmm. right? And rates go up and people are paying even more on their mortgage, if those people who were saying how expensive it was when they looked at the price now saying it's really expensive because it's an affordability problem, mm. I am going to call those people out very, very loudly and very, very kindly, but say, hey, you don't get it both ways. Either it's afford- either, either affordability is measured by prices or by repayments. You can't pick and choose the horse based on the circumstance. So and you're saying, just yeah. to clarify, so you're saying yes. that with the price fall, it's actually become less affordable under enough of an interest rate increase? Not necessarily, actually. I don't, maybe affordability doesn't change at all, but that would be the point. Right. So yep. if 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 house prices fall and rates go up and the repayments don't change, affordability I, I say, hasn't changed. I, that's what I would say. Mm. People who then start to say, "Well, mm. look at the impact of interest rates on poor borrowers," I'm going to say, "Well, hang on. You told me it was about the price back in the day. Now you're telling me it's about the repayment. Yep. You don't get it both ways, right? You, you you chose your and I say that because I think there's a lot of people. Housing is seriously polemic, right? And it really yeah. I was going to say a bad word. It drives me to tears. It doesn't. It doesn't do other things to me to tears. It drives me to tears. I just. I just. It feels like that's the. That's when people start to abandon common sense, right? Mm. We try and. We try and. You know. We we we're sort of our own biases, but we try and call out the BS when we see it. And I think there, there's a group of people who are going to say no matter what they're the doom and gloomers, right? The market's always going to crash. Housing's always too expensive. Blah blah blah. And if you simply change your metric to still continue to bash that drum, then you should be called out, and frankly, you should be ignored. Because you're not actually even trying to be reasonable. You're not even trying to have a, a nuanced or, or, or first principles view. Mm. You've just decided a, a view is true and you're going to change horses whenever you want to to keep bashing <laughs> that same drum. Mm. And that's a bit for me that if people are going to do that, I'm going to kind of, you know, again, I, I don't have any strong views. I think it was aggressive to buy property, even given the affordability, because of what you have said in the past, which is if when rates go up, guess what? <laughs> this sort yeah. of stuff's going to happen. Probably going to so normalise. Yeah. People in the last 12 months who've bought have bought at what might be the top and they're then going to have to face higher interest rates. They're the mm. poor buggers I feel sorry for. But if want- housing does fall because affordability falls and the average repayment doesn't change, then that's what we've said from the beginning. That's what financial assets do. They, yeah. they normalise against rates. That's, that's what is supposed to happen if you've got a financial asset. Now- Housing shouldn't be a financial asset, in my view. It's a whole different conversation. But um, you, you don't get to change. Not, not it's, a val- it's a very valid point you make. I, I agree with that. I guess two two things on it. One is the, the risk for me is that the the, the sheer quant- the where the quantum of the debt or the value comes into play mm-hmm. is that when 
it, it means that less of an interest rate normalization is required for that dynamic yes. to work. So yeah, in, in a sense where the prices, let's say prices go down 20%, yeah. but actually, actually your repayments have gone up uh, yes. uh, for, for new people because, because of the that's level of interest the, that's rate exactly. increase. That's, that's the potential in interest. So that's, yeah, yeah. so yeah, subtle, subtle, subtle different uh, uh, nuances there. Um, the other thing I mentioned before is sort of like the person on the TV complaining about the $60 an extra mm. month. And I, I'm actually very, very sympathetic and um, actually feel for those people because what the average person does is that they, no, no one's sitting around the dinner table making detailed economic forecasts. People say, I want to buy a home because we all want security, safety and shelter. Yeah, exactly. And they go to the bank and they say, yep. how much yep. can I yep. borrow? Yeah, that's the bit that, Right, and the bank that. says you can borrow this much, and they go right, and then they go out and they look at what they can buy for that. That's what it is, yeah. and, that, and that's not being critical because all of us are, are living our lives and just trying to make ends meet. And you know what I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. not not everyone's is is in the weeds as, as we are because this is what yes, we do as a day job. I completely agree, mate. And and so I actually don't I don't shake when I'm shaking my fist at the telly when I'm watching the news. It's the mm-hmm. banks that I'm angry at because these are the people who should know. These are the people that do know that interest rates are likely to normalise at some kind and they're more than happy to give you the cash. And yeah. the second, it's, the, it's that old saying, the banks are happy to give you an umbrella when it's blue skies <laughs> and they'll take it away as soon as it starts to rain. <laughs> and it right. sounds like you've been, you know, oh, bar humbug, you know, mm-hmm. banks are evil. It's like, well, you know. A little. To some extent, I think so. <laughs> I, I, I think so. And it's kind of like here you are, some yeah. poor nurse or teacher or something yep. Yep. who's been given a m- mountain of money. They've gone out and have bought a, this property okay. right to the yep. limit. And yep. we kind of think, oh, it's easy to blame them. But it's like, well, and the banks do it because there's a moral hazard. You know, it's kind of like, well, if, if I don't, someone else will, so I'll take the cash. And worst case, worst, worst, worst case scenario, we see US subprime kind of thing. I'm not saying, I'm not calling for this, by the way. I'm just saying under a worst case scenario. Does the no. senior executives cop anything? No. I mean, they probably still get their bonuses. Or maybe that's the worst case. They'll halve their bonus. Like the, 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 it's, it's what you would call a classic moral hazard. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay if everything continues to muddle along. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't, I'm still okay. So I'm going to just give money to anyone who wants it. And, and that's the real tragedy in this scenario. It is, and I think I complete. I one hundred percent agree with you, mate. I I will. Here is the problem, though, right? It is philosophical, ideological at some level in terms of how much involvement a government should have in restricting or determining what people should do, or banks how much how much moral obligation they've got versus if you want to borrow the money and you've passed the criteria and the government's got regulations and we did everything to the letter of the law. We we, we only you know mm. we used the buffers that APRA told us to do. We did everything exactly perfectly legally mm. and arguably. More than that, because APRA gives guidelines which aren't just pure letters of the law. They're like, hey, here's what you think you should do. They're like, well, we mm. did exactly that. What else do you want from us? Um, but I think the answer is probably actually some moral responsibility. It would be kind of nice. I, I actually- well, I, well, I, I think where, where, where it would- I think where you- t- Sorry to interrupt, but I think where you take the moral hazard away is you say, we're going to let you do it. You, you do you, Mr. Bank. And and you you lend however you feel is appropriate to lend, right? More or less, as, as long as you're acting within APRA guidelines and all the rest mm. of it. But I tell you what, if this blows up in your face, we're not ba- we the taxpayer are not yep. bailing you out. Yeah. And I I, I I know they sort of say too big to fail, systemic risk, and I call BS on a lot of that because I reckon there'd be a plenty of other institutions around the world who'll happily come in and fill the void, <laughs> or the one that's left standing just ends up gobbling up all the market share, and and rightly yeah. so. 
Yeah. I, I think that's it sounds painful. I think, oh, but what about people's super balances and the poor bank shareholders? Like, well, that's investing risk. You know, it's like it, as soon as you as soon as you put a put underneath these kinds of assets, that's what leads to the bad behavior. And it has to yeah. be sort of saying, well, there is there are consequences. This your job as a bank is to take money from savers and lend it out to lenders and make a difference. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're not ben- managing that well, like any other, your business, my business, anyone out there, none of us enjoy those kinds of g- government guarantees where you do whatever you like and if you do something really <laughs> dumb with your business, we're just going to bail you out and you just be cool. Yeah. Take it away. Yeah. yeah. See you later. See you later, Westpac, I, if, they, if they're so silly to, to be reckless. I have said this before though, mate, but I actually do think that's what's going to happen anyway. I know you want to have different views on this. Mm. I, you know, whether Westpac as a brand survives, Lloyd, Lloyd's in, in the UK- um, still exists today, but it was 95% nationalised at some point. Mm. Uh, and it was done to protect the depositor's own money. So in that kind of sense, for all intents and purposes, I think the bank does get wiped out. I mean, oh, let's it, bail it out survives. the depositors. Let's bail out- That's, that's what they did. They, no, they, no, they, no, they, no, don't bail out the bank though. Don't bail out the matter. bank. It doesn't, but it doesn't matter. Like, the bank what doesn't what money did you have on deposit? We'll pay you back because they were stupid. But that's uh, what happens. Because the government now owns 100% of the bank. They have effectively done exactly. The bank itself doesn't exist other than by name. Mm. I mean, you could literally transfer all the bank accounts from Lloyd's to PageBank and the government could own PageBank. That's kind of what they did. By the time you nationalise by force, not by payment, <laughs> hey, guess what? You used to own 100% of Lloyd's. Now you own 5% of Lloyd's. We own the other 95% where the government. That's kind of exactly what they do. But it's that's the same the people though, right? It's the same people in, you've got, the fox has gone into the hen house and oh, the man, the man kind of tried to look after the, the hens, but the fox is still inside. inside there, the shareholders right? are screwed. I mean, whether, whether should be ba- that, that, that's the that's the management team rather than the bank. Yeah. If, we, if we want to break it up, sorry. Like, yes, yeah, the, the, right. the bank you're is right. kind of depends who it is. I agree with you about the management. By the way, if you screw up that badly, tell, tell your story walking. Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. I I, I don't. I, you know, I actually while we're throwing blame around, I blame the regulators, mate, not the banks. If the banks have done exactly what they were yeah, told they to do to the letter of the law, mm. the regulators allowed the banks to lend people money based on a repayment based on very expensive houses at record low and unsustainably low interest rates. Mm. They increased the buffer very, very, very slightly. I think if I was put in charge of APRA tomorrow, it's never going to happen, I would actually use a floating um, a floating buffer. So the, well, the, the buffer is basically the say to the banks, look, when you assess a loan, use the current rate and then add something to it to allow for rate rises, mm. which is which is conceptually perfect. Yeah, I think what that should have is a floater though. So as, as rates drop, the buffer gets bigger. Yep. And as rates go up, the buffer gets smaller because it makes sense, right? When, when, when interest rates were at 17% in 1990, there was no point in them saying to the banks, you really should use 25% to make sure it's like, you know, at some point you say, well, yeah. it's not going to be much higher than this. Maybe there's a buffer of half a percent or nothing or whatever. Mm. At zero point when you're saying, well, that's yeah. not going to keep happening. So it's going to go yeah. to three and a half or four at some point. So how about you use five and a half and six? Mm. Yes, it's a lot more. But that's a more reasonable way to, as you say, for the teacher and the nurse and the, the you know, the person who's not, we do finance for a quid. If you're asked to assess the risks of a, you know, brain operation, then we're probably going to Google it. But mm. realistically, like you know, and then and then if the doc, you know, imagine imagine that scenario. Imagine you go to a go, go to a, a surgeon and say, "Mate, I want, I want an operation on my brain. How, what, what operation can I have?" So, well, you can have this one. Okay, I'll have that one. <laughs> I see. I mean, it's crazy, right? It's just yeah. and and you'd say you'd say, "Well, why don't, why don't I actually ask the medical professional's advice? Why don't I have an obligation on the medical professional to do things responsibly? Why aren't there laws to make sure I can't just choose my own brain operation because I saw it on Google or I got an ad in the paper or some fancy bloke in a suit stood up and said, let me do it for you. I'm really good at this.' Mm. There's got to be some rules and regulations around that sort of stuff. And I think finance-wise, as you say, 
I actually completely agree. Well, this is the macro prudential. We, we've talked so many Love times before about the bluntness of interest yeah. rates. We have to put them up because of inflation, right? And 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 for a whole bunch of reasons. But but it's it, it, the thing that's making it so hard is the housing market. Yes. Yeah. But but we've got we've got all just you just you've just put forward a perfectly rational, sensible policy that that could make things a lot better. And there's a hundred other things that could be done as well. Yep, and that's yep. that's why that that takes a bit more political will, um, but but I think that's that's what needs to be done. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Mate, let's move on from rates to interest rates. <laughs> we've, we've bashed that one to death. Worth saying, uh, we're not going to spend as long on this one. US um, Fed increased rates by half a percent. Uh, they they kind of. Uh, Jerome Powell said, uh, "Phil Lowe, I'll see your, I'll see you when I raise you. I'll see your quarter of a point. And I'll double it. Now, what do you got?" And uh, well, it's funny enough, the Australian dollar jumped two percent on the news. It, 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 and here's the other thing, mate. This is this is expectations. What I wonder, right? We talk about, you know, think about what you're expecting and what you're factoring in. U.S. markets jumped. I want to say three percent overnight on Wednesday night our time, because the rate rise wasn't three quarters of a percent. <laughs> so, it's one of those situations like, uh, if, if someone said to you, if someone had said to you three months ago, rates are going to be put up half a percent in a day and the US stock market's going to jump 3%, you'd ask them what they're smoking. Turns out if the market expects even worse, bigger, better, depending on which way you want to you think about rates, um, then then the market's very, very excited when it's not worse than, than half a percent. Uh, I've got not a lot to say about the US, mate, other than I, I am, I said, my frustration with the Reserve Bank is we saw this coming. We saw the US go through it. We saw the Yanks go through it, the Poms go through it, we saw the Kiwis go through it, and we did nothing. And that's, I think, will be seen by history as a mistake by the RBA. But again, thinking about exactly this, they're going to go up half a percent now. They're probably going to go up half a percent at least the next meeting or the one after. They've mm. said as much. Mm. Um, this is the size of the changes they're making. And I just, I do wonder, I don't have a particular view on... Um, uh, on what rates will specifically do. I think about three to four is probably about a par result, maybe or maybe a bit less, but that sort of number, uh, again, as you've mentioned before. But it does really remind you that if and when central banks feel like they need to do something, they can do something, they can do a lot, and they can do it really, really fast should mm. they choose it. Mm. And I do wonder, given, as I said, I think I said last week, I'm sure I must have, while the official interest rate was, uh, inflation rate was 5.1%, the quarterly rate of 2% is the scary one. Because yeah. you annualise that and you're at eight. And that's exactly what the US are doing now. And I, I, I you know, it, it's a reminder the RBA has a lot more leeway and should it choose to, um, there's no reason it can't go up by a lot more next month or the month after or both. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I think where it matters for the US is that, so I said before, I sort of threw this in offhandedly. I said a bank's business model is you take depositors' money and then you lend mm-hmm. that out. Yep. Well, it's actually not true. Um, you do that, but- in Australia, the amount of deposits from savers not nearly enough for you yes, to lend out. Yes, yes. So where do you where do you make the shortfall? You go off to international bond markets, mm-hmm. and you before? raise mo- you raise money that way. Yeah. So you basically say, uh, "Bank says I issues a bunch of IOUs essentially, mm-hmm. and they'll do that in, on, on overseas markets, and all these big US investors will say, "Yeah, I'll take." bond from the RBA. They go, thank you. RBA will take that. They'll price it at whatever they can get away with. Obviously, mm-hmm. the lower, the better. And then they will then go and lend that out to to people to buy houses in Australia. Uh, I'd like to say to you know, business loans and other things, but you know, let's be honest, it's basically yeah. houses. <laughs> so we'll put it into houses. And, <laughs> and that's all good and well. But of course, yeah. 
the CBA isn't the only one issuing these corporate bonds. Yes. It's in a, it's in a very competitive market. So there's government mm-hmm. bonds out there. So if now if you're in a situation where the US is now demanding much, much higher interest rates and you're the Commonwealth Bank and say, hey, we've got an IOU we want to sell you, we'll give you 2%. Guess what? No one buys the bond. You don't have the funding. And the funding that you've already had previously eventually needs to be – the IOU has to be paid back. There's an expiry date on that mm-hmm. and you need to roll that over. So what I'm, this is a long way of me saying that whatever happens in the US absolutely affects us here in yep. what you're paying on your mortgage. The RBA, let's say we live in a universe where the RBA does squat, absolutely just keeps it at 0.1 of a percent. Yep. Your, your mortgage rate is still going up by, because of what's happening in the US. And I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong, this figure may have changed in recent times, but I think it was like a third of Australia, the big four uh, capital comes from, from overseas. Yeah, it's about that, give or take, yeah. Close so, enough to be right, yeah. This is, yep. We're not talking 5 10% here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. A, third a third of, of the money yep. that they lend comes from yep. So So that money is going to get more expensive and your mortgage mm-hmm. is going to go up. So the banks, you know, we all sort of had a bit of a laugh. It's like, oh, the banks passed the interest rate on, rate on in full. Yeah, damn right they did. And by, by the way, yeah. they they actually were increasing fixed their fixed yeah. rates loans well before all of this latest malarkey. Yep. And, and that is why. So so it is academic. It feels a bit sort of mm-hmm. aloof and academic. We sort of, oh, well, geez, <laughs> glad I'm not in the US. Like, well, yeah. we're all on planet Earth and we're all connected and that that That's absolutely yeah. impacts yep. us. Absolutely yep. it does. Love it. Mate, let's talk stocks. We've talked interest rates for long enough. It is really, really important. I know some people love macro, some don't love macro. We're trying to do a bit of both uh, where we can and we have spent more on the macro than we usually will over the last few months because that's just the, the world that we're in uh, and it matters. And so we've talked about it. But but stocks is why we're here, as, as we mentioned earlier. Um, mate, two really, really interesting. I This is... Uh, <laughs> There's so many directions to go with this. Let me put the stats out there and the numbers and we can we can work backwards. Two big financial results out on Wednesday. They were JB Hi-Fi and Flight Center. JB Hi-Fi said that their sales were up 11% in the JB Hi-Fi brand. Just a stunning result from a business that seemed mature for the last five or seven years. One of the big misses of my investing career is not investing in JB Hi-Fi at much cheaper prices. Happy mm-hmm. to happy to say that not happy mm-hmm. to say that happy happy to happy to admit it but uh, wish I wish I had uh, had done it uh, flight center mm. uh, it's going to deliver a loss this year of around 200 million dollars at an operating profit level uh, 195 to 225 I think is the number let's call it 200 for fun mm. um, basically still trying to get itself back in the sky Qantas earlier this week I think it was said it was going to be profitable in the next financial year Um and these are fascinating. So fascinating for a whole lot of reasons. There's those numbers themselves. Second part, the second order impact. Both Flight Center and JB were down about five percent at one point on Wednesday our time. I don't know where they finished. Um, JB because it simply chose not to provide guidance, and Flight Center because the market had somehow expected. That, and you do wonder what's going on with people that somehow expect they would have made money this year. And you kind of think, guys, what like. You know, borders have been open for what a month? Is it two months? I don't know, whatever it is, of of a twelve month year and ramping up slowly. And people were surprised that they lost money. I, I don't. I, <laughs> literally, their business was zero for a long time. I don't know mm. what people expected, mm. but it is what it is. I don't own either of these stocks, by the way, which is unusual for me because we're often talking about that. Um, uh, so yeah, look, uh, JB Hi-Fi really, really strong result. Really great same store sales, bucking the trend of. An industry that's really struggled, particularly online. Online has got smashed recently. Um, 
people going back to the shops. And you would have thought JB Hi-Fi would have sold enough home office equipment and computers and whatever to, to have a reason to actually have a declining sales number. Like, it mm. would have made very odd. Like, you know, if they'd have been minus five, we would have said, yeah, that's fair enough. Still a great retailer. Coming mm. off a really high couple of years, what do you expect? Like, everyone's bought the stuff they're going to need. Mm. And yet, JB Hi-Fi just getting it done, mate. Really, really impressive. But again, outlook, no outlook, shares down. Flight Centre, again, I don't know why the hell the market was surprised, but it was, shares down. We're in such a fickle market right now. And so that's the third order impact mm. um, is the – so the shares are down, second order impact. Third order impact is just the – or third order cause maybe. Maybe it's not directly a third order impact. But it's just a reminder of what a fickle market can look and feel like. Um, I don't know what the hell market wanted more from JB Hi-Fi. I don't know what they expected from Flight Centre. So, Tuesday afternoon, if you own both of these companies and then Wednesday's results come out, you should have gone – yeah, that's about what I expected. Mm. Actually, Jabba Hopo was better than I thought. And of course, they can't give guidance because who knows what's going to happen. And mm. then Flight Center, well, of course, they're going to lose money. Like, why would they not? It's, it, they're in, you know, they're waiting for business to return. Um, and yet the market sold both off by 5%. And I just, I know I say this semi-regularly, mate. Um, it doesn't, as I've said before, it doesn't, it doesn't worry me because it does give us a chance if you've made the point very clearly in the past to buy some stuff cheaper. And, mm. you know, hey, great great for us. If we get a chance to buy some some good stuff at a cheap price, then then fantastic. We can be happy about it. Um, uh, I, I, I've said to people plenty of times, the so-called smart money that's supposed to know what's going on, if you can look at Flight Center and JB Hi-Fi's share price response and think that, you know, that the big boys at the, at the big table actually know what's going on and know what they're doing, mm. Uh, mm. I would suggest this is exhibit A and exhibit B on stop listening to the market, stop paying attention. Um, your thoughts, mate? Did I, did I get any of that wrong? Is it, am I missing something? Uh, thoughts on JB and Flight Center's performance and results? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I would, I think the markets do things that we really scratch our heads about at a, at a certain level of magnification. Mm-hmm. But when you change that magnification, I think markets are actually extraordinarily brilliant valuers. Um, Even in a day, you reckon that? No, 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 no. no, I'm, for, no oh, I'm saying in a day, it's meaningless. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> so you meant like at large? Like, well, yeah, no. I mean, but this, 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 I think we we miss the forest for the trees. So let's <laughs> let's look at JB Hi-Fi and let's forget about Mr. Share Market, yeah. and let's just look at the, the actual business itself. I mean, here's a business. If you actually look at the profits that it's throwing off each year, it's a perfect staircase mm-hmm. up, 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 up and a massive spike for COVID. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just wonderful, a wonderful yeah. business. Business getting it consistently a return on the equities and the return on the net assets of the business anywhere between 20 and 40%. It's insane, mm-hmm. right? Really, really decent net margins. It's just, <laughs> it's just a wonderful business. Nothing's yeah, gone yeah. wrong with it. Now, yeah, the share yeah. price, does, does a business like this really change in value? By ten or twenty percent over a month or so, not really, and that's where the market can look a bit funny. But then I would just say, well, go to your nearest charting application, Yahoo, whatever. They're all out there for free, and then and then say, well, actually, show me what it looks like over the last ten years, and then squint a little bit here so you knock the tops and the bottoms off. It's actually very very accurately matched that quantum of of earnings performance. So the market is it's it's that whole voting machine versus weighing machine metaphor that, that we all love and we stole off Benjamin Graham, which is this idea that in the short, you're right, it's frustrating, it's crazy, but it generally gets yeah. it, it generally gets it right. And thank goodness it does. That's that's my solace yeah. as an investor because <laughs> I have no idea no idea what JB Hype. Oh, five percent. What? Are you kidding? I'll give you a I'll give you a better uh, example. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah. watch what happened with Aussie Broadband during the week. Um, Aussie Broadband, wonderful uh, uh, telco. They, these guys have done incredibly well. 
uh, and they lowered their guidance. I think it was by about three and a half percent in the midpoint. Shares fell more than that, uh, but they actually the business lost a quarter of its value. <laughs> this isn't a this isn't a yeah, ten million yeah, dollar nano exactly. cap stock. Exactly, exactly. This is a hundred million yeah, yeah, billion yeah. whatever. It's a huge yeah. business, and a quarter yeah. of it got got wiped out. Mm-hmm. And you just think, what what the hell is happening yeah. with all of that? And it, it is crazy. It, it, it sounds crazy, but actually, even if you'd bought. A little couple of years ago, you still done extremely well. Actually, it's probably a case of the market getting a little, little ahead of itself and then overreacting. Yeah. A combination of those two things. Mm-hmm. And I, I, and and in fact, as as I've said, now now it's actually getting a lot more compelling. And again, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do in, in terms of the Mr. Market. But I do know that the price is broadly going to track the business performance over time. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a lot of it's a it, it it again. It's one of these things with investing where you've got to hold two sort of opposing thoughts in your head. One, the market is crazy. <laughs> two, the market's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. well, which which one is it? And it's a question yeah, of scale. Yeah, it's yeah. like they're fractals, right? They sort of, you sort of see certain shapes, and then you zoom in, and then you sort of see different shapes. It's it's about focusing on the magnification that makes sense, and that mm. where there is a little bit of reason and rationality to it. So I I hear your frustration, but I kind of shrug my shoulders and go. <laughs> That was interesting. Um, you know what I'm frustrated by, mate? It's not even the changes. Like I don't care. I, I care for two reasons. What I care about the impact it has on individuals. Um, I did a, I did a, a, a panel at um, Shares. He's a new broker uh, last night. People are coming asking me about you know, share price changes. And you know it, it, it absolutely impacts people's state of mind and their ability to keep investing. And that's a lesson and a, and a journey. Um, it also it frustrates me that these people are held up as some sort of geniuses that are worth pay, paying very, very large amounts of money to because they know something in air mm. quotes. Mm. That that's the bit that you know. It's it's if if people say if the if the common view was the market's stupid, nobody knows. In the short term, in the long term, price follows value, as you said. It's a weighing machine, not a voting machine, uh, and therefore we're not even going to bother reporting share prices daily. We'll do it monthly and. Well, you know, you know what I mean. Like, if, mm. if, and and by the way, these people aren't very smart. Are we going to pay them less than ambulance drivers because they're not that smart? All they do is shuffle paper around, and mm. half the time they're lucky, half the time they're smart. But who knows which is which? And so let's just go with it. I was like, yeah, cool. That that's a that's a very reasonable, you know, that's a very reasonable approximation of the market. Let's do that. Uh, my my frustration is the impact it has on normal people and the uh, the pedestal we put some of these people on. I won't say we, not you and I. Uh, we put some of these people on to say, oh, they're so good, they're so clever, they're so smart. Look at them, we must follow their trades. Uh, you see, yeah, I said Aussie Broadband this week. ARB yesterday was down 10-odd percent. I think it was yesterday, maybe it was the day before, whatever day it was. Um, and it was uh, like <laughs> the results were really good. It's like what do you people want? Again, it's the outlook of like we're not really sure so we're going to sell off because we, you know. I just, I don't, I don't, I really, mm. really, really don't get it, mate. It's a, it's a, it's, again, I, I get it in the sense that I absolutely know what's going on. The fact that we still hold these people up as being worthy of veneration and following and listening to on a daily basis, it's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's a bit crazy. Yeah, I, I know, I know what you do about it, except other than just have the, the realization of that and, yeah. and, and, and treat it with all due respect, you know. Oh, with, with, not due respect. With the well, respect it deserves. No, no, you're the same thing, right? With all due respect, the amount of due respect is not very much. No. Um, my, Jeremy, high five flights, mate. Do you have a view on them as companies? I think they're both outstanding businesses led by outstanding teams, very incredible, created a bunch of wealth uh, for shareholders over long periods of time. <laughs> no, there's not a, there, well, the only okay. but is, is that I think you can say all of those things, but still recognize that each of them operate in diabolically competitive <laughs> cyclical yeah. industries. Yeah. So you don't go in, like I've just said, well, this is, this is sort of, <laughs> again, um, 
cognitive dissonance perhaps, but 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 JB Hi-Fi has been a very steady performer. <laughs> yeah. That's really unusual though. That's that's the outlier here. You look yeah, at any yeah, retailer yeah. and that generally isn't the case. It doesn't – you can be a wonderfully well-run, a, a very financially strong retailer but still see wild swings in your profit each year. Yeah. So right. I, I just and, – and you can – same for a travel agent, you know. It's, it's like when, when interest rates go up and we're all paying more on our mortgage and we're all yeah. looking at things to cut, what do we cut? We cut the laptop and we cut the overseas trip or the trip up to yeah. Noosa or whatever it happens to be. In theory though, right? But apparently that's far at least. <laughs> so in a normal universe, that's yeah. what's yeah, meant that's to happen. Right. <laughs> and for some <laughs> reason Australia is really different. But yeah. um, uh, so, so all I'm – my only but is mm. I think – if you invest in those companies, and by all means, uh, you could do a lot worse than that, um, just do it with that recognition. Don't be the kind of person who buys a stock in Flight Center and then freaks out because they have a, <laughs> they have right. a bad quarter or a bad that's year. Because right. it's, right. not, it's not a, like it will happen. Now, contrast that yeah. with, I don't know, AWS or a, a, a company, you know, enterprise uh software company that sort of forms the, the spinal column of massive corporation, they, they're going to have extraordinary, almost bond-like returns mm. uh, in, in terms of, because this is so, most of the revenue is recurring, yeah. locked in, contractual yeah. in nature. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's that's, that's, that's what I would say. In fact, that's where, that's where I actually think I tend to stay steer clear of those sectors because I because I just feel as though I, I I like this certainty that that a lot of other companies offer, but I tell you what when there is blood on the street and there is a, there are um, we're looking down the barrel of a, one of the, the biggest stock market crashes on record which will happen at some point I don't know when yeah. maybe maybe tomorrow maybe in twenty yeah. years time yeah actually they're they're some of the more interesting ones to buy because their earnings collapse as we saw in COVID. And not only that, the market, the multiple that the market's prepared to pay on that collapses as well. They're actually the better ones to buy for the recovery. Unfortunately, well, very rationally, it would seem that when there's really, really scary times, we all rush to the defensive stocks, the CSLs, the Woolies, the ones that that are very rock solid. The trouble is by the time the damage is done, it's kind of like, well, the damage is done. And 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 while while it's true that those stocks suffer less in a recession, they also that means that they fall less on, on the market. They've also got less to recover. You, you actually, true. you actually want to take maximum yeah, yeah. risk at, at the bottom. I would just to sort of flip flip that thinking around a bit. You know what maximum upside potential? That's right. It's, it makes perfect sense. The, the uh, stocks that get bombed out because of short term. I mean, you've got to make sure they're going to survive. But the ones, yes. that, if 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 they of get course. bombed, I mean, travel stocks are a great example. Actually, think about the mm. travel stocks in the midst of COVID. Right, like now, Webjet, Flight Center had to Webjet had to double its share count. Right, so you want to be careful of. But at some point. I don't haven't haven't looked at the graph recently, but at some point, um, that was a stonking buy because it was mm. unless you believed travel was never going to come back and this thing was always going to be making a loss and whatever, it was just too cheap to ignore. Now you had to have your point about maximum risk. You had to have a completely cast iron reinforced stomach to kind of go. You know what? I'm going to wade in there amongst all the the murk and nuclear radiation. I'm going to go and grab some webjet chairs and then try and get out without being killed. Mm. Uh, it, it's a you know it feels like a rough ask when people are just saying. Gee, I feel scared about my woolly shares right now. Do I really want to go and <laughs> double down on travel stocks or something? Mm. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a really good point, mate. I think that the same point of Flight Center. Um, as an aside, a really quick aside, conversation for later, maybe another time, but worth checking that Flight Center, so the Webjet share price. And as you look at the chart, remember that there are twice as many shares in issue as there used to be. Yeah, good point. Because Webjet's share price per share, I haven't looked at it recently, I'm doing it right now as we speak, is back to not far away from where it was. Uh, let me have a look at what they've got for me here. 
Um, uh, sorry, no, so I was going to say, so it's half of where it was, mm. um, you know, pre-COVID, pre-COVID right? Mm. Half of where it was. You say, okay, well, there's obviously an you know, upside of twice as much, right? You double from here. Uh, to get back to where it was. Yeah. Right. How, how, you know, so that seems like a good bet, except there's twice as many shares. So actually on a market cap basis, the company value, it's actually worth more now than mm. it was pre-COVID. Yep. So share price is still half, but there's twice as many shares. So the, the shares are worth now worth more as a group, as a whole company, than they were. But what the market is saying is Webjet, if you bought it today, you'd have to pay more for Webjet, the company, than you had to pay before COVID hit. Mm. Uh, and you know maybe it's worth that. Maybe it's, I, I actually quite like Webjet as a business, but just remember, you, you know, there's, there's no free half, you know, 50% or 100% upside. You know, the, the regaining of that loss is not a free option because the number of shares has doubled. And I think... We look at the per share price to kind of do it. I, 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 no one will ever do this, but I dare say if we were smarter investors as a whole market, we'd be asking for market cap graphs, not share price graphs, because they tell a much bigger story. It's not very often that you see companies have to raise that much capital, but it really does tell a much, much, much better picture than just the share price alone. People might be listening to this going, oh, they, okay, that's a really good point, but how, how would have I known? How do yeah. I know that? And yep. and there is and that well my my first response is well what the first thing it tells you is just don't rely on a chart as it is the, <laughs> the basis of your entire you know yep. I, I don't yep. want to get into the debate like look I mean I look at charts all the time um, no, just don't yeah. just uh, you know I don't I don't I'm not a chartist but it's you know it's in, it gives you context oh where's yeah, yeah, where's no, the journey yeah. been yep um uh but 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 you don't for goodness sake don't stop there. And if, if you and the, the reason why we talk about profits on a per share basis, earnings mm-hmm. per share, because that's yep. what normalizes yep. it for it. So yes, if, exactly. while that is true, everything that you said, mm-hmm. if you were only to look at the PE ratio or to compare where the share price is relative to the earnings or the expectation of earnings or the yield or whatever benchmark you do, whenever you're normal yeah. or uh, 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 benchmarking it to the share count, it actually mm-hmm. comes out in that number. So all I'm saying is, how would you pick that? By just looking at the fundamentals of the business on a per share basis. Yes, uh, absolutely. The other thing, can I just can I add to this really quickly? One of the things that this is a double whammy or a double benefit here. Um, you actually want to look at businesses, particularly small businesses that are issuing lots of shares, mm. and, and you want to, that, that's a question you'd be asking yourself if it's a growing business and as a small business in particular. One of the checks you should be making, one of those fundamental checks, is absolutely look at things on a per share basis. Unfortunately, with Webjet, you wouldn't have even picked that up yet because they haven't had a recovery in sales or, or profit at a top line level, mm. at a total level, let alone per share. So in this case, you wouldn't have picked that up necessarily. It looks terrible anyway, and it would look just as terrible, almost as terrible, mm. uh, if they hadn't issued more shares because the numbers, you know, they made a uh, $4.64 sales per share in 2018, 15 cents in 2021. If they hadn't doubled the share count, it would have been 30 cents. It still would have been precipitous, yes. and you yep. couldn't have known specifically that was about the share count. But on, I'm just looking at Comsec. Literally, if you use Comsec or something else, there is a shares outstanding row on the company's financials. In 2013, 113 million shares. By 2017, 138 million shares. 2018, 165 million shares. Three years later, 339 million mm. shares. Mm. Now, look at that. So, yes, in Webjet was a very specific example. But if you look at a, a miner or a biotech, that's, they do this regularly. I can't think of a good biotech, mate. You can probably think of one um, where they've absolutely check has gone through the roof because that's yeah. what they do. And yeah. it's not so even bad. It's just as an investor. Uh, here you go, Imugene. 2013, 379 million shares, 379. Now, 4.9 billion shares. Mm, mm, More than mm. 10 times as many. Now, again, I don't, don't know anything about Imugene as a business. I don't, I don't think it's terrible or great or whatever. But literally, the share count has gone up tenfold. So if you owned 1% of the business 10 years ago, you now own 0.1% of the business. Yeah. Your, your share of the, of the wealth, 
generated by the business, if it ever does generate wealth, has been absolutely decimated. Actually, literally decimated for a change because decimated is supposed to be one-tenth, isn't it? If that is true, it literally is going about, well, maybe does it drop by one-tenth or is there one-tenth left? I'm not sure. In mm-hmm. any case, mm-hmm. you've got a lot less than you started with, so keep keep that in mind. Uh, yes. So what I wanted to make a comment of- Oh, sorry, mate. In terms of the- No, 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 I apologise at all. Um, the, 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 the market and what's happened- Mm. In, tying all of this together, maybe it's a good point to sort Thank of you. leave up on on the on the, on the podcast. <laughs> yep. And I, we had a brief chat about this before we hit the record button. Is the mm. the market's actually, despite all of these gyrations and interest rate rises and whatever is happening, the market's actually held up remarkably well over the last yes. year. Yeah. In fact, if you had dividends in, and you should, why wouldn't you? It's yes. like an investor in property not deciding to not include rent. Of course, you so include the it. charts, by the way. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, by the way, there are charts that factor it in. They're called the total return indices, and they. Mm-hmm. Much, much more in telling longer term. Anyway, if you look at the total return index of, of the all odds, we're actually up about 4 or 5% over the last year. Right. It's not bad. About half the average historical return, but hey, it's gone, it's gone forward, right? Mm. The all technologies index, so the S&P create thousands, well, not that, like dozens of indices. The all technologies uh, just create, just includes technology stocks. There's about 70, 80 stocks in there. You've yeah. got stocks like uh, Block, formerly Afterpay, Zero Seat, Computer Share, WiseTech, REA Group, Car Sales, Altium, Technology One, these kinds of stocks. That index is down about 22% over the last year. Now, a bear market is defined as, a, you know, it's arbitrary, but the, 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 usual, the usual definition that we give is a 20% mm. drop. So we're in yep. bear market territory for technology stocks. And these are the big ones too, mm-hmm. by the way. Yeah, that's right. These, are, yeah, that's a good these point. aren't the that's tiny right. yeah, ones. Yeah. Computer share, block, zero. These are multi-billion dollar companies. Uh, it's worse than that. If you want to go to the peak to trough from the absolute high of the market, which I think was actually sort of uh, October, November last year, uh, the drop is about 35%. So we are, we wow. are firmly yeah. in bear market territory. And where it perhaps ties a lot of the things that we're talking about together here, I, I saw another fascinating chart. This was for the US market. And I assume, I think without, with good mm. reason that it's pretty similar here, is that mm. when you look at the, the price, to, we've talked about the price to sales ratio before. It's very crude. But it's just one way of trying to, to benchmark mm-hmm. prices. We let's compare it to earnings, compare it to cash flow. We can compare it to sales, and there's a whole bunch of problems yeah. with that. But it's for a lot of companies, technology companies who don't have any earnings, kind of you don't have much choice but to use the price to sales <laughs> ratio. Anyway, so there's an outfit out in the US, and they sort of looked at that going back. I think since the dot com bubble. And it's actually been a pretty good predictor of, not a predictor, a, a pretty good retrospective telling of where you are in the cycle. And yeah. what we've seen in the US, and, and I would very much argue what we've seen here, given what the All Technologies Index has done, <laughs> is that you're actually at a point now where the price to sales ratios actually aren't, they're actually well below the long-term average. Mm. And they're back towards, not, not, not quite there, got a bit of, they could certainly fall a lot further. And by the way, there's no law to say that once they get to the lows of where we got in the dot-com bust or anywhere else that it yeah, couldn't, yeah, couldn't yeah. half from there. But it's interesting to know that typically in this space, mm-hmm. when things have been really bombed out, they don't tend to get much lower. I don't half wonder if we've seen the worst of it in that space because forever in a day, people have been talking about 
interest rates and particularly how it's even worse for growth companies and particularly how it's <laughs> worse right. for these technology companies. Yeah, yeah. And I feel as though a it's lot, it's easy for people to look yeah, at the yeah. manga. It actually hasn't been, oh, it's not great, but it's not that bad. Yeah, yeah, and people yeah. like me and others are going, oh my God, my portfolio is a hell of a lot worse than that. <laughs> you know, I tweeted out during the week, if, yeah. you, if you're feeling bad about how you performed against the benchmark, change your benchmark, right? <laughs> and I'm very much tongue in cheek, very much tongue in cheek. But, but I do wonder, and I, I'm keen to get your thoughts on it, mm. has the horse bolted on? If there was ever any opportunity to sort of sell out and avoid all of this and none of us yeah. would pretend for a second that we could have ever known at the time, but has the horse yeah. bolted? Is, is now the wrong time to switch out of your growth technology stocks and go into defensive stocks? It's very good of you to say, uh, let's finish the podcast with this, make a statement. It's now 58 minutes in. You say, I've got a question for you. But because I'm a man of the people and because I can't help but talk, as, as nor, nor can you, we're going, I'm going to answer your question. Uh, and question. we are going to ask our listeners to hang with us for a little bit longer, but not much. Um, it's really, really tempting as an investor to try and reverse engineer or use hindsight bias to work out what, how, where we get to these places and what it means about the past. If shares were up another 20% over the last six months rather than down a third mm. to your point, we'd be saying, gee, we're clever, hang on, aren't we? Mm. Mm. And so the temptation, I'm not saying you're saying this, I'm, I'm saying this as a, as a uh, straw man. Uh, get that, say straw man. Straw man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, in, the, in the actual, in the, other, the other use of the term, uh, to, to kind of make the point that we need to be very careful not to be led by the share price, like it has something to tell us. Mm. Sometimes it does. As you yep. said, over the long term, share price has a lot to tell us because it tends to track the business. Over the short term, it tells us what the market's thinking. And... I'll say thinking, I actually should say what the market's feeling because that fear and greed stuff is what the short term is all about when it comes to the ASX. So we're tempted to say, well, the shares are down, down. What should we have done a period ago as if we could have known? I think what it does allow us to do though is objectively look at share prices then and now and say, where were, the, were there mistakes? Where were the mistakes? I, I've given the example plenty of times before, mate. I own Amazon shares. It's fallen 50% from top to bottom, I think something like two dozen times in 25 years. Which of those times was it smart to sell out? In the end, mm. the answer has been never, none of those times. Even though each of those 20-odd times the market was telling you, in air quotes, something, uh, looking back, oh, I, I can see it was obviously overvalued 100 bucks because now it's 60 bucks. That was terrible. I was obviously overvalued $500 because now it's $250. Gee, it's lucky. It was obviously overvalued $1,000 because it's now $500 and so on and so forth. So I think we need to be really careful. As, as I know you do, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, mate, but I'm just answering uh, openly for our, for our listeners. Really got to be really, really careful uh, to, to think through how the process um, works in our brains, how, we, how we're tempted to think about these things as if, as if it was knowable and as if we therefore should do something, as if they're unchangeable. I am absolutely sure that some of these companies won't come back. There was uh, go, go back to go back to COVID, right? So um, Zoom in the US, it went through the roof as if we were never, ever, 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 ever going to go back to the office. Mm. Then a vaccine was announced, not the trials, not an idea, not the research, just the decision that okay, we've now got to a point where we can approve the vaccine. And Zoom shares fell something like two thirds, three quarters, something massive in, in a really short space of time as if we were always going to go back to the office and never going to use Zoom again. And, and you kind of say to yourself, you know, was it right the market had some ridiculous sense that this was always going to be the future and, and things would never change? No, of course not. Was it also true or, or was also ridiculous, which is why you want to ask the question, 
uh, to have the market believe somehow that it was all over for Zoom, that the future was dead, on online video conferencing was dead, we're never going to use it again. You and I are recording on Zoom, by the way, even though we can be back in the office right now. Um, you know, and, and the market overreacts both ways. Mm. But I do think some companies are, but some companies get caught up with that, right? Everything that was benefiting from COVID goes through the roof because the market's short term. Mm. Uh, COVID testing businesses were probably the best short if you had an unlimited um, ability to short without having to pay interest or, or get caught in the upside, right? Because honestly, like, yeah. you know, we're going to stop testing for COVID. Most of us already got on with it, kind of, you know, people don't even bother doing rat testing. We feel a bit crook. I probably got COVID, I'll stay home. You know, the people who haven't bothered, let alone, um, go to formal testing of PCR testing, other things, so fast, right? Three months ago, we couldn't imagine five months ago. I don't know a world where people would be at this level of, what do you call it, laxness? I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, just literally, you know, humans are so fast to change. Um, we, we've almost kind of, you know, I was in Very the city adaptive. yesterday. Mm. Mate, they had signs up everywhere saying, you must wear a mask on this train, fines apply. I would have seen eight, nine masks in the train mm. station, the entire station. Uh, we move on really fast. Uh, long answer to your question, mate, I think that selling out after the market falls is silly because of the fall. I think if it's a wake-up call for anybody, it's hey. So we, we during the week, there was a, a tweet I saw from a US fundy kind of financial advisor talking about the fact that one of these big, famous, I won't go to the detail now, we've got way not enough time, uh, big, famous, active US uh, tech funds has down is down faster and further than the NASDAQ fell over the same period of time mm. in 2000, right? Massive, mm. massive, massive falls. And I don't know whether it comes back or not, but what I said in response was, I said, wow, that's a hell of a stat. Know what you own, know why you own it, know what you think it's worth, know what you'll do if prices plunge, and this is the important one, know that you've been sober in your judgments. Mm. If you got caught up with the excitement because the shares were going up, so you bought some because they're going up, fine. But realistically, think about whether you, you really know what that's worth. If, by the way, you expect those businesses are going to be bigger, better businesses in years to come, and this is just short-term market sentiment, a la Amazon or plenty of others besides, then by all means, stay the Different course. Different story. But know why you're doing it. So mm. I, I think to your point, mate, uh, some won't come back at all. Some will come back and go higher, and some are probably fairly valued now. Who just that's, the reality that's, of, I think, oops, I here think we go. That's exactly it. The, the answer you're saying is really, well, it depends. And that's a good- <laughs> You're going to say it, that. You're which right. is, which is right, though. It's just like yep. we, we lump these things together. I think yep. I think absolutely some deserve to fall, I, but yep. I do think that there's a lot of babies in the bathwater yep. there. And the thing yep. is to do is to dust yourself off, forget about the falls and just say, well, as you say, what do I own? Why do I own it? What's mm. it roughly it's worth? Am I being sober in my judgment? And I, and I think- but as hard as it sort of is to sort of look at those portfolio losses, so long as what you're holding is, in fact, the few that I've got actually think, oh, maybe I should buy some more. Actually, it's getting to yeah. that kind of level. Yeah. Um, and just one thing more, you, you mentioned those those COVID beneficiaries. A good example pointed out to me yesterday was Fisher and Paykel. So they did extraordinarily right. yes. well. Yes, that's right. Because yep. they make ventilators and it turned yep. out that no one had any. And so, yeah, <laughs> deserved to go up. They made a lot of money out of that. Uh, deserved to go up? Did I say? Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah. No, I'll say that they deserve to okay. go up because they bought. They made a bunch of money that they wouldn't have otherwise made. They but didn't. Was the, does the share price increase proportionate to the long term value of that? Uh, money or they did didn't. A little bit more profit for a while. You beat me to it. They didn't deserve <laughs> to go up as much as they did. So, go, so again, uh, the value of a business is all of its future cash flows discounted back. And all yep. of a sudden, because of if COVID never happened, they would that that sum total, whatever that yes. figure is, that we can never yes. would would. 
would be would be less than what it was because- So instead of making $100 over the next 10, 15 years, they're going to make $105 because yes. this year was really good. So share price should have gone up to account for yep. that. Yep, yep. But, it, but it, what happened? It went from 15 to 35, Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and lo and behold- <laughs> as, if, as if the business was going to permanently double in value from here forever. Once every hospital's got 10 extra ventilators, like, well, <laughs> well now what? Are we going to start selling them to, you know? And yeah, and so, right. and this is, this is, by the way, Fisher & Pike are fantastic business, really yeah, incredible yeah. Yeah. Kiwi business, done incredibly well. But but the, the point is, if you look at the price, it's actually gone almost to 35 and now it's back at 19 yeah. and pretty yeah. much, pretty much if you just sort of extended the general trend of what that business yeah. had been doing over many, many years, it's just back to where it would have perhaps otherwise would have been. So just just a nice illustration of, of what you were talking about there of, of the market extrapolating forward and 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 backwards in, in, in the wrong way so often. One more for me, then probably one more for you, then probably one more for... No, we'll try <laughs> One best. more thing. Um, exactly, that's right. That's what the podcast should be called. Um, I, I want to just highlight one thing you said because you said it and said perfectly. You said, wonderful business. And they are, and that's that. That's different. Here's the thing, right? We we somehow think the share price is the business. The business is a share price, mm. and it's like you know what? Fisher and Paykel didn't go and buy its own shares and push the price up. The rest of us knuckleheads did that. I yeah. didn't personally, but you know. And so when we say, "Oh, Fisher and Paykel's worth too much," and and it's going to, it's going to fall back and whatever, it did exactly what it should do. It is a fantastic business. Mm. The fact that people got carried away and paid too much, management like, oh, it's your your radio guys. Yeah, you, what, what you're the owners. Of? You buy a solid yeah. shares, knock yourselves out. But yeah. so you know, it's important that we don't say, "Ah." Oh, well, yeah, but it's like, you know, companies miss expectations. I won't get into that one. But we talk about the company as if it's solely or even mostly responsible for its share price. And yes, there's a whole lot of promotional CEOs out there and they deserve every bit of grief they get. Mm. But the vast bulk of them are just trying to do their business. And, mm. you know, if, if I want to pay more for the shares and then you want to pay more for the shares, the, the public information is the public information. Particularly if a CEO is not out there ramping the shares, they're just like, well, here's, here are the numbers. Do what you want with them. Mm. If we if we bid them up, don't don't look at the company. Don't say, oh, Fisher and Pike has been really disappointing. No, 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 no. The investor the got this really, really wrong. Mm. They screwed up 12 months ago and that's why the shares are down. Not because the company's disappointing, not because even the share price performance is disappointing. The investors who owned the shares, mm. who paid too much for them then or paid too little for them now, we are disappointing. Let's not point the finger at other people because it makes us feel better. Well said. All right, we done? That's a bit ranty. Uh, we'll, we'll, we've now. got a podcast, a uh, mailbag episode, so we'll save a little bit of reserve. If we peter out the end of mailbag, you'll know why this has been actually not too long. We did reasonably well, but I'm not going to draw it out. Thank you for listening. Please do come back for that very mailbag episode on Sunday where we talk about the questions you've got. If you need the details for that, scroll back to the beginning of this episode where I gave all our socials and our email address. I can give them again now, but you don't need to put up with us for any longer. So until Sunday, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.